Welcome to the English Language Institute of Singapore's podcast. This is the third episode of a four-part series on the developments in English language teaching and learning in Singapore from the 1950s to the present. In this podcast series, Dr. Tay Mei Yin, Principal Master Teacher, highlights to us through her conversations with three English language educators that amidst the changes in the focus and approaches to the teaching and learning of English language through the decades, there has been continuity. In this series, you can listen to her conversations with Mrs. Cecil Tan, Dr. Christina Ratnam, and Mrs. Rebecca Mock, all of whom have taught English language to different profiles of students in Singapore classrooms. We hope that this series inspires you to think about what it means to teach students English language. Hello, Dr. Tay. Hello, Audrey. Dr. Tay, in the previous episode, you made special mention of Mrs. Cecil Tan, whom you referred to as a trailblazer in the classroom practice of teaching oracy. Yes. In my conversation with Cecil, I was struck by what she told me, that she believes in the primacy of teaching oracy and the growth of inquiry dispositions in her students. It made me realize that the emphasis on oracy development, which is the formation of good speech habits and good pronunciation, stress and intonation, is a perennial evergreen, which is what I highlighted in episodes 1 and 2. In my own experience of teaching English language, I have had students who struggle to orally interact with me and with one another, often because they lack the confidence to speak. I often wonder how we teachers can better facilitate productive and effective discourse among students who are not comfortable conversing in English. Yes, I can identify with that. Some students have difficulty with clear and accurate pronunciation, word stress, intonation and pace. Others are not comfortable interacting with one another in formal contexts. Some others cannot find the appropriate words to use. Let's listen to parts of the conversation that I had with Dr. Christina Rutnam, who shares her views on what the learning and teaching of English language in Singapore involves. Dr. Rutnam has a wealth of experience in literacy development and the teaching of English language. Actually, the whole point about learning of a language is to express yourself for two reasons mainly. One is receptive, to be able to understand and comprehend what you hear and what you read. And then the other being expressive, to be able to reproduce or to speak out and to say it. I agree with the whole language approach because language is organic. And that's why with the whole language approach, it is the exposure and finding opportune times to point out certain patterns and so on. It's for the fluency of the use. So Chris, do you mean then that grammar is a vital building block for effective language use by our students? Depends on what you mean by grammar. The thing is, the nature of English language as a language is made up of the sounds, the phonology, that's the sounds. It is made up of a structure, especially in the written form, 
the structure behind it, not just in the written form, the structure of the language. So the culture or the community that use the language have certain markers. And if it is as organic as that, the word for it is grammar. But knowledge of it, labeling it, naming it, calling it tense, calling it volition, calling it verb, calling it noun, that is the study of grammar, right? So it comes back to me, what is necessary is that the user of language, the person who uses English language, needs to use English language intuitively. If you want to be a good user of English language, you need to use it intuitively. It needs to be second nature to you. And so how can we attain that intuitiveness in our use of language? To me, for the majority, it's exposure. And that's why they have to read, hear, speak, write. Read, hear, speak, write ad nauseum, such that it becomes fluent. Although I do think that in the process of using, cognitively, there would be some theorizing that would be done by the child himself or herself. Given exposure to the form, that the variety that you want them to learn. And like I said, they begin to say, it reads well for me. It sounds right to me. And they begin to notice certain patterns yes. emerging. And yes. then they begin to say, I think this is the way to use it. Yes. So it's, in a way, it's an inductive approach to picking it up and using it. Yes. And that's why the teacher, and now it comes to the teacher, the teacher then needs to know the language. So what you're saying is that the should be a balance between aiming for accuracy, the use of grammar item or structure, as well as fluency in the use of that item. So yes. there has to be a, a good balance of the two in the approach to learning and the approach to teaching. Yes, because the point is, in order for use, you want that fluency, you want that flow. You don't want a blockage, but as I said, there is its limitation. Yes, it can help the learning to a certain extent, but like the one about playing that drum piece, I could only play that piece for that time. Subsequently, if I were to, and that's why then I, I went for lessons on playing the drums, because I said to myself, if I want to play other pieces, I need to know the patterning. I need to know more. And so if I drill myself for just that piece, I'm only stuck to that piece. I wouldn't know what to do with other pieces and other songs. I begin to appreciate that the drum beat is the foundation of a song. It brings out the architecture. I'd like to link this with grammar. Grammar is the architecture. It's the structure. And that's why in the past, when I was younger, I only knew present tense, past tense. I even learned continuous tense and all that later on in life. So Chris, on that point, I think what you're referring to is the teacher has agency. The teacher is the decision maker. And everything 
to do with good language teaching and learning is in the hands of the teacher based on the decisions that the teacher makes, good or bad. And in order to make those decisions, the teacher needs to be knowledgeable. Now, listening to Christina speak her thoughts, I realize how important it is for teachers of English language to strike a balance in our classrooms between the accurate and fluent use of English by our students so that they can become far more effective language users. And to do so, we teachers need to have strong subject content knowledge, SEK for short, in order that we can make sound choices about what and how we teach. Dr. Tay, other than having strong SEK, what are other ways for us to become effective teachers of English language? You know, Audrey, I asked Christina exactly the same question. Let's listen to her views. Chris, what advice would you give English language heads of department, teacher leaders and teachers on how they can grow themselves in order to better meet the needs of their students? Teachers need to know the register. Teachers, at the end of the day, they need to understand the nature of English language. They need to understand the community also, the learner and where they are at. Coming back to Lee Schumann's point, I think really teachers really need to understand the nature of English language. They need to have understanding of English language, what is it like and why it is like this. Yeah, so they need subject matter knowledge, knowledge of the nature of English language. They also need to know the, the nature of their learner the characteristics of their learners, and in that way, their pedagogy, their teaching approaches. So that comes to Schumann's point about PCK, pedagogical content knowledge. So, you see, in the past, our teachers, the way we were taught English language was if you were to ask any student, what does it mean to learn English language? The immediate answer is, Compo and compre and conversation. Maybe they might say spelling. So they only know English language in terms of the examination modes. That's not teaching. Or you ask a teacher, how do you teach spelling? Then they say, I give them a list of 10 words. Go home and over the weekend and then on Monday come back and I will ask them to write out the 10 words. My next question would be, is that teaching or is that testing? So you have not taught the spelling. You have only testing the recall of its spelling. So you've not taught it because you've not understood the nature of English language and its orthography or its phonology. Then another question, what does it mean to teach English language? Make sure that we have compre. So what is compre comprehension? Oh, comprehension means I give them a passage and then I ask them questions and then they should be able to answer the question. How is that teaching English language? What are you teaching behind this process of reading and answering the questions? 
You know, Audrey, evident in Christina's views is a perennial evergreen in English language teaching and learning in Singapore that I had highlighted in episode one about the knowledge and understanding English language teachers must have about the subject and the discipline of English language. Why? Because the manner in which the subject matter of English language is transformed for teaching is highly contingent on how teachers interpret the subject matter and find different ways to make it accessible to learners. A former colleague, Mr. Philip McConnell, who was a pioneering master teacher, shared with me his view that the lack of subject content knowledge seriously impedes teachers' ability to provide adequate feedback to move learning forward. Dr. Tay, thank you for taking the time to share with us your insights on the developments in English language. You're most welcome, Audrey. Thank you for listening to this episode on the developments in English language teaching and learning in Singapore featuring Principal Master Teacher Dr. Tay Mei Yin. You can look forward to episode 4 in which you will find out more about language teaching and learning from the experience of Mrs. Rebecca Mock. If you have yet to listen to the previous episodes, we have included the links to episodes 1 and 2 in the show notes. This episode's show notes can be found at go.gov.sg forward slash ELIS podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.